There was the one other seal who I trusted. He and his spouse told me and they thought it would help Marcus. I did no research. I did nothing. Yeah. I'm like, if you say it will help, will help him, I'll try to convince him. And when I approached him, it was in complete love. It was not in, he was exhausted. I was exhausted. He knew that this was the end for us. And so not that I gave him an ultimatum, but I gave him a very loving choice with one choice. It was <laughs> like, You're, please do this. Please yeah. do this. Part of you thinks or knows that you're in this awakened dream state, mm. part of you are like fighting this demon. And so I saw like a lot of demons, literal demons. And for me, it was a very, it was a very traumatic experience in itself. There was a yeah. lot of violence. There was a lot of fighting. My weapon just like melted in my oh, hands yeah. or like the magazine fell out or I tried to throw a punch and it didn't happen. Like all that type of stuff. Yeah. One time it showed me judgment. I had, I was judging Amber so hard and the kids, I was everything, every movement. Well, in my experience, all of a sudden I had all these things about judgment, 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 yeah. judgment, judgment. And I'm like, holy shit, that's me. I'm judging, judging them. them. Stop judging them. In today's social media obsessed world, we all see the successes, the world record breaking, and the achievements of the people we look up to. But what we don't see is what goes on behind the scene. Hosted by power couple Dean and Alana Stott, this show is dedicated to asking difficult questions while discovering the support systems and people behind those we love and respect in media, business, athletics, and high-performance culture. Dean and Alana believe that through honest communication, teamwork, and mutual respect, that anything is possible. Like, there's not a better partner I could choose who's equally as crazy as me because we have a chip on our shoulder to prove people wrong, you know, uh, and to prove ourselves right. I can go be the face of this. I can go do this. But I don't understand the back end of this. I have to learn business. I have to learn how this works. Many couples in this dynamic are stuck and unable to move forward in an identity crisis. Marcus's energy is so bad. I feel like I need to cleanse my house. Like it is so it's suffocating. And then seeing him 24 hours later, he was as light as air. Yeah. And we literally I like we literally embraced, hugged. I stepped back and I said this is exactly what the guys need. When we can look behind the scene and learn from each other, we can finally move forward and transform into our fullest potential. Yeah, so... So then Amber started getting me into brain clinics because saying like, well, he's, well, not, he's in, not getting better. In 2016, though, um, the brain autopsy was released. The first brain autopsy from a seal suicide in our community. So we really hadn't ex been experiencing suicides. Mm. And there had been a couple. And in 2016, one autopsy was released into the community. And uh, it was the first time that I had heard about interface astroglial scarring and also chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And I started re researching these two conditions and they're both degenerative brain diseases caused by concussive and subconcussive repeated 
blows. So it's like blast overpressure for interface astroglial scarring and then concussions and subconcussive blows for CTE. And I'm like, oh my gosh, both of these would be likely applicable to Marcus. He's having all the symptoms and he has all the history. So I immediately realized this is a brain condition and this is not just sheerly like a psychological or emotional thing that he can't get past. And I was exhausted. And so my approach had become in a very short, very angry blame, criticism, condemnation, guilt, shame, all the things. And all these things, did it ever cross your mind to go to just... Oh, Yes. Uh, frequently yeah frequently yeah all the time we were fighting like cats and dogs at this yeah. point i mean this, yeah. yeah it was nuts i mean it was there was no relationship it was yeah. blame you blame you so relationship between us was terrible relationship with the kids were you know they were just scared they didn't want yeah. to come around like there can't i mean you i look back now and go oh my goodness but they didn't even want to be around us um we just saw a video recently like maggie our daughter's talking in the video you could hear us in the background you know, and she's just, she goes like this and she kind of like looks at the camera. I'm like, oh man, like that yeah. must have been horrible for them. Yeah. So. And what age, what age were they at this point then? So they would have been, oh gosh, 12 and 15. Yeah. They were born in 2000, 2002. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. And we were new, you know, new to Texas. And so they were getting settled in and making their own friends and you know, we had a mortgage and we had responsibilities. So it was a lot to think about leaving because mm. we had just gotten there and a lot of the logistical complications of leaving him were not very clear. And I never wanted to, I always wanted to try my dad being a football coach had instilled one thing in me, which is you don't ever quit anything. Mm. And so I was, I was really committed to, basically surviving in the dysfunction, but mm. I wasn't really trying to make it better either. I thought it was all Marcus and like, it was a condition that he should be able to I thought it was manage. all Amber. <laughs> <laughs> it was you, it wasn't me. Yeah. yeah. But when I learned about this brain thing, like that there was more to the story potentially, mm. I started to become very concerned. And so I got him into brain clinics. I changed my approach with him. I really was committed to doing whatever it took, but the more things he would try unsuccessfully, the more just disconnected and mm. disheartened he would become. And I knew that we were close to losing him because he would say things to me like, I am such a burden on you. You guys would be so much happier without me here. And which is, which is really common that we just like, we found out recently yeah. that, that those exact words are. Yeah. Very common from some of the individuals that are mm -hmm. experiencing this stuff. They're saying the same thing. Like, I'm a burden on you. Yeah. I'm a burden to everybody. Like I have, I have no purpose. I have no place here. I'm not good at anything. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's weird, you know, and if you, if you wrote these down. A population of people who are used to doing insanely difficult things mm. fairly easily and they can't get better. Yeah. They can't yeah. feel better. That's very, very frustrating. Yeah. And very unusual for them. Yeah. I think that was the particular time that I always talk about that was, for me, when I really seen it with Dean was this one afternoon, he he went to the kitchen and I, I just heard this like almighty scream, this like noise, this loudness. And I went through what's going on. I thought he'd 
hurt himself he'd stabbed himself what, what's gone on through here and I came through and there was just this egg on the floor like broken on the floor and I said what's wrong and he was like I'm not a man I can't even make breakfast and it was just like from this egg I was like okay we can clean the egg up we can make yeah. another one we can do I think that was my turning point to say this we need to do something here there's, there's yeah. something I think it's the identity thing I mean you've gone from being the top of your yeah. game always succeeding you know always accomplishing your missions to you know you don't feel like you're part of a team anymore yeah. and, you know you know, I started to get better when I started pushing myself in other areas it wasn't mm. I'd soon realise it's I, I can't there's a great book called Tribe that we belong mm -hmm. in a tribe and you, you, you've now left this tribe, you can't get back in. And so you need, I mean, there's other tribes that you, and I talk about the civilians and I, and Sebastian, and, uh, Unger, Sebastian Unger. Yeah. yeah I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a bit, you know, you just want to be part of a tribe and when you find another group and, I, and when I said the civilians, you know, just for the, for the record, I, I, I used to say civilians don't understand. They don't have the same work ethic. They're always late, but actually, Lana corrected me and actually it's right. I'm not right. There, there's plenty of civilians with the right work ethic with, you know, even, even stronger work ethic yeah. than some others and drive and passion. I just hadn't found that, that yeah. group. Yeah. I, wor I work with yeah. those people now. Yeah. I'm, I'm like trying to keep up with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's, I mean, the thing is you, you come from a team where everyone has that same drive and passion. So when you come out, I just think you need to find that team again. You need to yeah. pick that team. And sometimes that team's right next to you. I just didn't realize you yeah. were there next to me with the same work ethic and drive. So yeah, I, I can relate to that mass uh, massively. And and so when you realized about the, the 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 brain trauma and thing, was that the turning point that it actually... Yeah, I thought it, we're really on to something here. Yeah. If I can just get them into to brain clinics, surely they will know what to do from mm -hmm. here. Like I know it's not a psychological, emotional thing solely. Yeah. Um, and I got them into like five brain clinics yeah. or or supplemental sort of treatments like magnet stimulation or hyperbaric oxygen. And those are great for some people. Um, they were not so great for Marcus. The diagnostic piece of some of the brain clinics were really effective. Like we know what the problem is, but what's the solution? Mm. And there really is no solution. So um, the turning point for me came when our daughter said to me, mom, how much longer do we have to do this? And at that point, I realized that just because I had a resiliency and this, you know, incessant, I can't quit. Mm. I was subjecting them to a lifestyle that wasn't healthy. And I thought, well, we don't have to do this for one more day because you're dependent on me and I'm dependent on myself and I mm -hmm. can make a different choice. And so I had basically decided to leave Marcus, but he was um, leaving very shortly thereafter for another brain clinic. And I was really holding on to hope mm -hmm. that this could be the one but also realizing that this probably isn't the one because nothing yeah. has been the one. Yeah. So I've got to like make my plans. Yeah. And um, all along the way in the back of my mind, there was one friend who had been out of the country to do a psychedelic therapy and he reported that it saved his life and changed his life. And um, I was, I thought, you know, I want to know that I've tried everything. Yeah. So if I can convince him to do this one thing, maybe that will at least like bring him back to baseline in some way, even if we can't be together. Mm. And then if the worst happens and, you know, he chooses to take his life, I'll at least know that I tried, tried everything. Yeah. And did that go through um, 
when you're thinking about leaving them at this point, was there, you've got your kids, but did you have that mother feeling towards him in the way that if I left him, what? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I thought we're the only stabilizing force and more so me than the kids. Um, yeah, I, I knew that it would not be good for him. Yeah. And the, um, the psychedelics, how, how, was it easy enough to convince Marcus about that? Because you must have been deflated. I'm guessing no. Else. I'm guessing no. No, but I was just, yeah, yeah, because <laughs> I mean, you must have been deflated that everything else isn't working until yeah. now. Or you're at the point, well, well, let's try it. You know, I, I was at the point I would try anything, okay. but I also deflated this for a year. Okay. Well, so th <laughs> this came to me, I think, about a year prior. And, and I, I was like, psychedelics. I mean, yeah. you know, WTF. Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up with parents, two parents that went to Woodstock. You know, yeah. hippies um, <laughs> listened to a lot of classic rock and just thought psychedelics were recreational drugs, like yeah. flat out. I didn't understand it. Yeah. And we just thought, I just thought it was not not even weird. I just, I was like, I don't get it. That doesn't make Like it. that's a complete no-go zone. Yeah. Like it and just I thought the same. I didn't understand. Yeah. Totally fine with taking all the pharmaceuticals and everything. But right. right. 100%. <laughs> right. There's, there's some of the drugs I mentioned to you earlier, like are so bad for you. Um, especially when they're mixed with other things. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't know. And so I, I started to do some research, obviously. And, and the more I read, I realized that these were actually medicines that were abused as recreational drugs. And so it was like the opposite of yeah. what I had thought, not recreational drugs that they turned into, you know, uh, medicine that we use. And, and so it made more sense, but I still didn't understand. Like when you go do something that you've never done before, and hardly anybody you know, if anyone literally knows nothing about it, mm. it's still yeah, weird. It, there was the one other SEAL who I trusted. He and his spouse told me they thought it would help Marcus. I did no research. I did nothing. Yeah. I'm like, if you say it will help, will help him, I'll try to convince him. And when I approached him, it was in complete love. It was not in... He was exhausted. I was exhausted. He knew that this was the end for us. And so not that I gave him an ultimatum, but I gave him a very loving choice with one choice. It was like, <laughs> You're, please do this. Please yeah. do this. And did you have, was there like one biggest fear about doing it? Was there a worry? No, there was no worry. I think the only worry was exactly what I said. I'm like, this is not going to work. Like none of this shit works. Like, why are we now we're going to put another pharma, yeah, you know, pharma agent in my body? And like, how is that supposed to help, you know, any of this? Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's kind of how exactly what I was thinking. So I was like, oh, you know, what the heck? Like, we tried everything else. We he, tried all this other stuff. He did a bit of research leading into it where I didn't. Um, I've done a lot of research since, but there was a significant amount of data produced in the 50s and 60s around these compounds. And then after the Vietnam War, of course, um, the Controlled Substances Act was introduced to try to tamp down the counterculture movement. And all of these really promising compounds were placed on Schedule One, which means no therapeutic use and high potential for abuse. So you've got something incredibly therapeutic, saving lives every day, right alongside crack cocaine, heroin, meth, Fentanyl, you know, mm. well, I mean, we've basically lost 50, plans, we've lost yeah. 50 years of research on this. Like oh, really? we probably could be a lot more people around today if, yeah. yeah. but you know, that's, that's another conversation yeah. again. Sorry. One of the biggest ones I hear from, from the guys when they talk about 
do an ayahuasca or anything that they'll lose their manliness, I guess, is like their, their, <laughs> lose their, their edge. Not, not, yeah, lose their edge. Yeah. Is, is that... So was this an ayahuasca, was it? No, no actually no. what I experienced was uh, something called ibogaine. Okay. Uh, it's another plant. Yeah. Uh, ibogaine is not a plant. Actually, iboga is a plant. Plant, plant grows in West Africa okay. in certain environments. Um, ibogaine is extracted. It's one of the like the most prevalent, um, not molecules, but alkaloids. Uh, alkaloids in it. Yeah. I think there's like 13 alkaloids. Um, and, you know, similar to ayahuasca, kind of, similar but different experiences this was a really really tough internal experience so mm -hmm. with ayahuasca um you could like look around and know like you're you're on something you know and the wall the wall's bending and yeah. there's things that are happening i begin not like that it's your your experience happens when you put uh, eye shades on so you cover you have to cover your eyes or close your eyes but you put eye shades on as soon as you put them on you're in you're flat out in a movie like it's like your movie of your life Wow. It's wild. It's, it's I'm not done wild. it, but the, yeah. all of the descriptions mm. have more or less been the same. Yeah, it's it's wild. And so you're you're talking about anywhere from eight to sixteen hours, you know, the peak just one time. Like yeah, one that. time. I mean the peak the peak is usually somewhere between four and eight hours. Everyone's a little different. Let's say around six of like very intense, like nonstop stuff mm. um and you know and then there's a reflection period that's a number of hours after that where you just go like what that what's just yeah. happened but yeah. you're still like dreaming so you're in this like dreamlike state yeah. and then finally you know it wears off let's say 12 14 16 hours depends you finally go to bed um you see your body's just wiped out yeah and and then and then of course you're doing more reflecting because you just went through literally just many i've gone through hell like yeah. legitimate hell. And that's very tough to process for people. So if you can imagine someone that's gone through 50 years of hell versus let's say five, mm -hmm. that person has gone through 50. If you just opened up the floodgates of shit that's happened, yeah. we'll call it trauma. We'll call it your whatever, childhood, mm -hmm. sexual abuse, uh, military, your best friend got mm -hmm. killed. Um, you know, you're, you lost your spouse to cancer, like whatever. You're going to go back and experience those things. And so for a person who's trying to see a therapist, that's what a therapist is supposed to do is unwind yeah. that stuff for you. Like, as you and I know, as we all know, the only way to get through something is to deal with it. Yeah. 100%. Like if you compartmentalize it, there's only so long you can like keep that compartmentalized. Something's going to open up Pandora's box. And if you don't open up it in the right way, it's going to just, everything's going to go to shit. And that can mean you flip out and, and go shoot up a mall, you kill yourself, mm -hmm. you kill your family, you drink yourself to death, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Ibogaine and many of the other psychedelics uh, taken at a high dose um, can make all those things appear and you have to deal with them like at that time. So you can right. imagine a therapist trying to take five or 10 years of unwrapping whatever, you do that in a couple of hours. <laughs> So it could open up the floodgates to, you know, you call it a bad trip, just a bad time. That's yeah. why, you know, we, we press so, we talk about this so much and you're going to hear about it more and more if you hear about, because psychedelics are coming to market. They, they're going to be the future of mental health care yeah, yeah. because they get to the root cause of the issue, but they have to be done correctly. They have to be done with therapy. There has to be um, intense integration and therapy afterwards to make sure that you're able to like kind of pull yourself okay. out of what happened. Um, that's why 
these shouldn't be done like just haphazardously and they shouldn't just be released into the market. Like there's a lot of people yeah. that think that that can, we can hurt people that way. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like there's a lot of company who would benefit from it being released quickly okay. so we can get a lot of bad sure. stuff to happen. You know, so there's probably, there's definitely arguments on both sides, mm. but you know, clinically guided therapeutic access, like we need to control like where these medicines are coming from. Similar to prohibition, you know, people yeah. are making alcohol in their bathtubs. <laughs> were you getting 100 percent? Were you getting 40 percent? Yeah. Like, was it poisonous? So that's what's happening right now. So that's why we have to, like, we have to regulate this. Federal government needs to. I mean, I I believe, you know, it's like everything else. Do I go through a stop sign? Yeah, sometimes. Do I think there should still be stop signs everywhere? Absolutely, because yeah, if yeah. there's not a lot of dumb people are going to get killed. Yeah, yeah. That's why we have rules and laws, yeah, right? Yeah. Like so. And, and the, I'm gonna go uh, down a rabbit hole on this. Yeah, and, uh, and the and the IB game. When you came back from that that retreat, did you know straight away that it, it, it helped? For me, it was yeah. immediate. It was, was immediate, it was, was it? like yeah. So yeah. I took the medicine on Friday night. Well, I guess I can't call it medicine yet, so it's still a drug. <laughs> yeah. So I took the drug on Friday night. Um, I had a horrible experience. Like really? I puked all night long. Oh. Um, similar to what you've talked they about. They say puking is actually a very they call good it thing. Purging. Purging, isn't it? Call it purging. purging yeah. um, it's like releasing. And it definitely did. You know, certain experiences, you see something that was super, didn't sit comfortable with you in, in your life. and you. But it's like, all your own, like you're not randomly seeing, you know, snakes and monsters. It's just all your, your own, own stuff. You, you do see some snakes and monsters, but the snakes and monsters might be part of your tra traumatic story, if that makes okay. sense. So like the monster might be the monster that I'm dealing with. So right. like the monster could be um, maybe a bully that I didn't deal with, or okay. maybe the monster is uh, alcohol use or heroin use, or maybe the monster was the um, the sexual perpetrator. Mm. And right. so that- And they appear as a they, monster. They might appear as a monster. They might appear as that person or that thing, but they also might appear as a monster. And you deal with it. I know in this, I know I'm looking at you. You're like spiders. Eh? You're like spiders. Man, spiders. <laughs> right. <laughs> so again, that, that's the, that's the subjective piece to psychedelics that they still don't, you know, are still having trouble understanding with yeah. the mechanisms of action of the actual drug and how it's doing what it's doing. Mm -hmm. But we all know the only way to get past stuff is to deal with it, you know, and we kind and of, when, you know. When that monster's appearing, I would like are you aware that this isn't like this is part of what's going on? Little little bit of both. So part of you thinks or knows that you're in this awakened dream state. Mm. Part of you are like fighting this demon. And so I saw like a lot of demons, literal demons. And you know, for me it was a very it was it was a very traumatic experience in itself. There was a yeah. lot of violence. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of, you know, my my weapon just like melted in my oh, hands, yeah. or like the magazine fell out, or I tried to throw a punch and it didn't happen. Like all yeah. that type of stuff. Um, but you this the experiences that are tough, you get through them, and you get through them pretty quick. In your and yeah. so like you deal with it. They you know the uh, the drug is actually a bit of a a jokester too. It's like a comedian. It shows you and tells you um, lessons that you already know. Because again, it's your it's it's in your mind, right? Yeah. You already know these things, but you just can't you can't pull them forward. The drug helps you pull those forward, and you'll literally laugh out loud um, and go, 
aha, mm -hmm. like I get it. I get what you're trying to show me. Like right. one time it showed me judgment. I had, I was judging Amber so hard and the kids, I was everything, every movement. If they dropped an egg on the floor, it was the end of the world and I was mm. judging them. But in my experience, all of a sudden I had all these things about judgment, 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 yeah. judgment, judgment. And I'm like, holy shit, that's me. I'm judging, judging them. Yeah. Stop judging them. Yeah, like maybe civilians. And it stopped. <laughs> exactly. And it stopped. Well, but that's what it does. Okay. And it again, brings things into awareness. And it's just, it's just very subjective. So everybody's well, experience is going to be different. Yeah. But you come out the other side, like whole again. And when I woke up finally on Sunday morning, it felt like, like the, the world had just been lifted off my shoulders. I just felt free and yeah. airy and like, oh. Wow, I needed that. And he that. looked different. He seemed different. I was going to say, saw what did him. you see? Instant yeah, change. Instant it was change. very nerve wracking for me. I got him on the plane and thought like, okay, this is it. I've done my job. I, if, if it doesn't work, at least I know. And then I was supposed to go see him the next day. And as it became closer and closer to go, I became more and more reluctant to see him because I thought, well, I've, yeah, well, like I've all my chips are on the table. If this didn't work, then I'm going to know immediately. Mm -hmm. And um, the friend who had introduced us to this idea picked me up from the airport and we were driving down to see him. And she, I said, I can't go in. I can't, I don't want to see him. I can't go in. I cannot do this. She's like, just trust me. Just trust the process. He's great. He's asking for you. And so I got in there and I heard him walking down the hall. And when he came around the corner, it was immediately like the same guy I met in 1997 wow. it was just like his whole demeanor his eyes were light again his spirit was light he was like so charismatic easygoing lovable and he had become this monster in fact she told me because you stayed with them the night before you went down she told me marcus's energy is so bad i feel like i need to cleanse my house <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. so it's suffocating yeah and then seeing him 24 hours later he was as light as air. Wow. Yeah. And we literally, I, like we literally embraced, hugged. I stepped back and I said, this is exactly what the guys need. I was like, this yeah. is it. Like, I can't, I turned to the doctor and I was like, oh, there must've been thousands of individuals that went through before. She's like, no, veterans. We treated, veterans. She's like, I think we treated a couple like seven years ago or five wow. years ago. Wow. And I got mad. I almost got mad. I'm like, why doesn't the world know about this? I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Like we should know about this. We should have access to this. Why do I have to, why do, why do we have to go through all this, jump through all these hoops for me to just be able to get here to do this? And so, I mean, that's basically what started Vets. Vets you know, yeah. it wasn't called Vets on day one, but we wanted to help our friends that we already knew were like yeah. dealing with the same stuff. Well, you're so excited, you know, and yeah. that's what we're getting out of mm -hmm. the program too, is you know, you take a thousand pounds off of someone and they're suddenly like, oh, I'm ready to run. I'm ready to sprint. I want yeah. to help all my friends. And so- Read the text you got today. That was- You don't have to say the name, but just like read- what well, he, we have a group coming back from Mexico today. You got a text that said, like, I feel like the weight of the world yeah, is off my shoulders. Weight of the world's completely off my shoulders. And then I got a an email that said, basically, in essence, that, like, this saved my life. And, you know, there, the, this started because we wanted to pay it forward. And that is the essence of our community is mm. just continually serving one another and taking care of one another. Um, yeah, because again, like you and I, we, we probably both feel that we didn't do enough. We, you know, our friends are better than us, you yeah. know, you know, that, that kind of, and so I feel 
you know, I feel like I missed out a lot. You know, I joke with people, I you know, quit after 13 years. Mm. Um, so I want to help guys that have done, you know, 15 combat tours, you know, 20 combat tours. Yeah. Like, why, why not? They deserve it. You know, and I look and go, what the fuck did I do? So, yeah. you know, if I could help more. And was there still, when obviously you've said that there was like a monster there and his energy was bad, but did you still get a glimpse of? Yeah, it was, it's certainly not a linear process. There are definitely ups and downs. It went from being 80, 20, bad, good to 80, 20, good, bad. But those 20, that 20, you go like, <gasps> like put the walls back up, put the walls back up. It's not safe. And so you basically have to relearn how to live together with this new person mm. in the best way without getting your walls up to a point that, you know, you start locking heads again. He mm. definitely had bad days after I began. Yeah, it's a, Some turn of his it's worst. a tourniquet. You know, it's a yeah. tourniquet. It like stops the, the, the hard, the worst Flow. part of your life. Yeah. Like it just, it, it pauses that and brings you back up to baseline. But you know, like I texted the guy earlier. I just said, "Hey, now the hard work's going to begin." Like mm. you, you're great right now. I was like, "You purged everything you needed to, and you cleaned the filters out." But if you don't do anything, like if you don't go to the gym, you got to put something good gonna in that you're vacuum. Gonna, you're going to get yeah. out of shape. Like yeah, you got to yeah, continuously yeah, yeah. work out, and you, you know. And do you recognize in the twenty percent that he he might? I'll call him him, but like he might come back. Do you, does it become more obvious to you? In, immediately, I'm. You're so. You become so aware of everything like you i know exactly when i'm in that moment mm. and i'm able to just stop it now where before you just keep going down the hole mm. right the rabbit hole because you're not aware mm. but you become you, be, you know i don't want to call it whoa because i will never <laughs> say that but you be you you do wake up right you yeah. wake up in, in terms of being aware you can see when you're around a couple that has really bad energy and it's like fighting all the time you're mm. just going whoa like was that us because yeah. you can immediately mm. see the difference mm. in how, um, what yeah. I've learned is that those downs were necessary. It's like a stock market ticker. It's like a series of ups and downs, yeah. but you're generally trending upward over time and the downs become less mm. steep mm. and your ups become much uh, yeah, more prevalent. Much more, yeah. And so the downs were teaching us how to be different. Yeah. They say that psychedelics, We'll take you to the top of a mountain, but it's your job to stay there. Yeah. And we all have very deep rooted patterns, habits, ways of being. Some are good and some are bad. And so what I've seen Marcus do a ton of work on is his negative deep rooted thought patterns down to like straight to the pit of hell. Like mm. this is bad. Everything's bad. There's no hope. Um, he can catch himself now and he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't go there. And then mm. while he's, you know, in this integration period or this sense of awareness, he can pivot from the bad thought patterns and create new ones. And so yeah. those become the deep rooted patterns. And and both um, what, I, what I want to talk about is, so there was definitely some psychological stuff going on, but there was also some physiological stuff. Like, so psychedelics work on both. So they do help purge the kind of any of the traumas and mm. the anxieties and all that type of stuff addictions, um, but they also help the physiological. So what we were taught that, you know, this is your brain on drugs, um, you know, now they should show this is your brain on drugs and they should show like a, a, ch a chia pet, but it's like growing yeah. because it actually is, you know, the, re the research is out. Like we, we're not, we don't have to like make believe anymore. The research is out. Like this is actually growing like 
brain volume. Like mm -hmm. no, there's there, the research is there. No, no, I'm saying it yeah. it, it establishes new neuronal connections. Yeah, and it, so it, so the, the parts of the brains that were damaged, and again, a lot more research has to be done, but preliminary research is showing that if you did have brain quote unquote brain damage, mm -hmm. mild TBIs or, or stronger TBIs, these are like fixing, regenerating, you know, it's regenerating yeah. the brain. It's making the brain kind of talk again, places mm -hmm. that they weren't able to, to communicate or work before. So it's, it's astounding mm -hmm. what they're doing. Another thing that psychedelics do in the brain is it quiets the default mode network. And so the default mode network is in essence, our ego. It's like the stories we've told ourselves to survive. So if it's the before, you know, the before we leave on a long trip, you start telling yourself a story and you do it subconsciously. Mm. Like it's not, you know, mm. it, it just is a survival mechanism. Yeah. Well, what psychedelics do is it quiets that. And so you're able to process traumas or ways of being or unhealthy patterns mm. and see them differently mm. it allows you to learn again i mean basically mm. that's be that, that is starting from the day you're born because mm. the day we're born we're starting to learn like you yeah. touch something that's hot you're like oh i'm not going to touch yeah. that again or your parents and tell I, you i think yeah. that's some something that would not make me nervous but i think that if i was thinking about it um i mean i, I had a treatment i don't even know what the treatment was so don't ask me what it was but i went to see <laughs> somebody in santa monica and he'd just done something that I, i've never been able to really describe what it was that he done, but he 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 releases things from Reiki you maybe? that have, yeah, it, it, I mean you could probably work. come close to Reiki, but it, it is a lot of touching. It's like as in energy healing, but I, I can't actually describe what it is he does. He was recommended to me from another friend who, who there's definitely some sort of other realm that he he goes, but he he releases things that have been attached to you for a long time, and. One of the things he said to me was, I had a devouring mother. And my mom died when I was really young. So I was like, I, I love my mom, but, you know, he, he's, she left a lot of responsibility on my shoulders. So he was like, you need to release her. But one of the main things he released was a, a kind of angel, I guess, that was protecting me from, from bad people that might want to do me harm. And I was like, what if I don't want to release that angel? What if that right. angel, angel like is helping me? Yeah. And he was like, no, you don't need it anymore. You don't need this, this protection. And I think that the same as what you were saying, that um, I feel that the trauma side of it or, or what is, is that natural protection mechanism. Like, okay, I can hear that. For me, it's repetitive noises. Like that, that's telling me that there's danger, there's something there. So if I get healed, am I not going to be able to have that yeah that warning sign if something's trying to harm me that would be mm. my and that's i think that that's also exact, goes yeah. to the question that you had about um will they will someone still feel like they have their edge mm. yeah because i think i think for me and so my identity crisis was my injury yep. and so when we chose to do the bike ride my leg was two kilos lighter and so when i bought a push bike only cycled eight miles, but straight away being physically active, felt better. I felt better. So yeah. that was my that was my coping mechanism for my my mental health was being physically active. And so, and interesting enough, and it was a question I was asked earlier when when we actually did the bike ride, we applied for the world record, and and we spoke to the charity. You know, they said to me, said, "What's the message you're trying to promote?" I said, "Well, physical activity helps your mental state." And then this was 2016. They said, "Oh no, no, you can't use that." I said, "Why not?" So it's not been scientifically proven. 
I said, well, I don't need a scientist to tell me yeah, that I feel good when I do it. And it sounds very similar to where we are at the moment yeah. uh, at this stage with these um, psychedelics. I mean, uh, fast forward about three years later, I was guest speaking at Scotland Rugby and Scotland Football Club. Oh, sorry, soccer club. And the uh, and I, I told I, I made that comment, and this gentleman came up to me afterwards, didn't he? The doctor, and he just put this big fold, folder down. He said, "There's the science behind it." Yeah. Wow. So with psychedelics, there's obviously a lot of research. Do you think? Do you think the military will get behind this when when um, when there is enough research? And do you think guys that because we're talking about veterans who have left yep. having this treatment? Do you think? hopefully in the future that they can offer this while still serving because that could keep guys in longer, you know, and I benefit do. the military as well. I, I think, do. I think it goes back to the ice bucket yeah. concept where if you give someone a psychedelic before they hit that point where they need to take their hand out, will mm -hmm. it affect their ability to serve? I don't know, but I know right when you take the hand out, like mm -hmm. Marcus would still be serving if he had that yeah. opportunity. And, and this is not, again, I think what people get scared about go, well, we're not going to be able to fight wars. And we're not talking about a platoon of 18 individuals yeah, that yeah. need this. Maybe one. One guy, yeah. You know, maybe maybe two or three. But even then, two or three out of 18, mm. maybe those two or three need it, right? If yeah. they're asking for it, like, let's help those individuals mm. before we turn them over and then maybe mm. something detrimental. We're not talking about, oh, there's 18 guys in the platoon or girls. Like, let's give 18 guys or girls yeah. psychedelics or, or whatever they come up with, you know, by that time. No, we're just telling if an individual needs it, yeah. like, let's help the that The ways individual. of coping right now are definitely not working. Yeah. And yeah. the stigma and the culture of not saying you need help mm. and self-medicating and numbing with alcohol or pills or self-destructive behavior, that's not doing anyone any yeah. good. So I think that more research needs to be done because I certainly think that it could help with force retention and possibly even force optimization. But mm. I also think that there is a certain mindset or profile of individual that at least is born, made, whatever, for special operations. And that trauma or whatever it is that produces such resiliency obviously serves its purpose mm. yeah, in like, these communities. We need guys to keep their hands in the water, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. the. A lot where Alana is with that, I've been asked to go on an, on an ayahuasca and, and I, I know when my. <laughs> My bike ride, you know, I dig deep, you know, and I, I think that energy and again, it's me not knowing much about it. I think if I went on the ayahuasca, I would lose that edge. I would lose that. But I have heard from yourself and I've heard from other SEALs that, no, it, it, you don't lose your edge. No, you're going to be a better version of you. You're going to be a better version. You know, I think yeah. I tell people, I'm like, like my, my right cross is just as powerful as it was before, <laughs> but like, I may not need it yeah. all the time. Yeah, but when you well, need that, to use it, use it. You may not launch it as many yeah. as often as you would before. That's the thing. That's still why got their I often yeah. try and explain it to Dean is that look, when it comes to that room, you could probably take pretty much everybody in that room. I know that you know that you don't need to tell them that. Mm. That's the problem that when the anger comes out, you want everybody to know that this can happen. Whereas I feel like something like this treatment could make you know and understand that you don't need to tell everybody in that room that yeah. I'm just at one with myself. And Alana, I, I think we should get, you know, get this point across too, because I think this is important because we do, 
I don't want to say push this a lot, but it's like what we do. So we talk about it because it, it's <laughs> it's worked for me and it's yeah. working for like a, a lot of other people. You can get there other ways, right? You you know, a, a lot of the individuals we see have been brought back to their faith, for instance, mm -hmm. through this therapy because they've just, again, they've just like going, oh my goodness, you know, I had this relationship with a higher power or whatever it is, but there's other ways to heal. You know, psychedelics aren't, it's a, it's just another tool. Yeah. It's a very powerful tool. Mm -hmm. I think it's a very good tool. We should use it sparingly. The indigenous cultures used it for thousands of years. Not every day they used yeah. it when they needed to, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they needed yeah. it once a year, maybe every couple years, but they use it for a very specific purpose, not just to do it right and I, we should definitely make that mm. point so and do you think it's because it's the it's the the stigma that, that it's a psychedelic it's a drug, drug. I, I think for be, sure because yeah. uk because uk is going to be a lot worse yeah. to, to try and persuade than, than than the us i know like in the military it was 100 no drug policy mm -hmm. we used to have uh compulsory drug tests and, 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 same, and you're out I mean, same, same here yeah. they don't even let active duty personnel use cbd, you can't use CBD. Oh, it? yeah it's the same as us CBD, yeah. well, some of the protein shakes were illegal for us as well yeah, and like, yeah but that's is that when ephedrine was <laughs> is that um you know that forced kind of education that because I, I remember the first person that i knew that started doing cbd products in the uk like and it was after anybody probably done it here but when she sat down and explained it to me and explained the lack of hemp in her diet which we used to have and explained all the different i was like wow that makes a lot more sense rather than thinking about you know uh, the movies of the 90s where everybody's sitting around getting stoned like it's a, it's I think we're almost it's it's better for them to have us mm. believe a certain way and i think we automatically think and i used to say this when i used to work with the royal family and things i used to think that they would know everything about fundraising or know everything about running a business or run and really no offense to the royal family but they didn't they had mm. sometimes took the worst people on to do things and you just automatically presume that a government runs correctly or a country runs correctly mm. because you'd have the right people but yeah. no yeah yeah yeah, and so and true. so when you came back, the, the, and you said that you, we need to help more veterans. Was this the, the starting point of vet centers? When and also yes when and you no. guys came together as well and started working together, because at this time you'd almost been working yeah. separately. Yeah, yeah. Yes and no. We had a grassroots portion of pre-vets that lasted for about eighteen months, and because of the stigmas of even asking for help or saying you were struggling, I wanted 12 other individuals and 12 months to go by before we would have the courage to speak out. And okay. I also didn't want to be like a snake oil salesman, like, oh, the Capones said this and they're crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to risk our reputations like that. But at the 11 and a half month mark, one of Marx's former teammates and one of my best friend's husbands took his life. And we were sitting in his funeral in the same chapel that we had been to countless war funerals. Mm -hmm. And this one felt so different because he took his own life and he had survived so many combat deployments. And I just thought this chapel cannot hold the funeral wave that is coming and by this, suicide and this, if this, we don't do something. This individual was like one of the best guys you've Over ever worked death. with you yeah. know what i mean like he was the last person you would ever think yeah. this could happen he was, to. he was that good he was that loyal that tough you know all of it yeah like no e zero ego i mean like mm. almost like minus ego right yeah. that type of individual and then when that happened everybody kind of turned around and said well what about me like what if yeah. i have a moment of like if it could happen to him it could happen yeah. to any yeah. of them
So wow. there was no, yeah. So at that point I was just like full tilt. And luckily, um, our daughter was 16. She could drive herself at that point. Um, or she was, I guess, 17 at that point. No, 16. And, um, it, it just was the perfect time for me to tackle something full throttle. And so we put together a 501c3 application and we just got to work because we knew it was working at that point. And, Far and, more and than did 12. your kids see it? Did your kids see oh, yeah. the difference? Yeah. Oh yeah. Very much so. Our whole family dynamic shifted. Generations have shifted because Marcus was repeating some of the same patterns that his yeah. father endured. And I was going to say that they, because you, they have witnessed a lot during that time. Yeah. Did, have they been left with any like trauma that would, Definitely, absolutely definitely and well do you think you would deal with it and or they would deal with it in this way i would i would our son um i would like to see him deal with it in this way i don't know that he's open to that or ready for that but i think it could absolutely help yeah and we definitely don't like again push anything you can't yeah. you can't force anybody to do anything people have to make their own choices but we can give them the the tools and bring them to the water and say hey Here's here's everything you need to know. It's up to you. Mm. You know, we're not going to force it on you. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And are you, are you set? Are you seeing a big uh, increase in veterans coming to you? Oh my gosh! Because I, I I'd never heard it till I come to America. And one of the guys I'm working with on this show, you know, he's a SEAL, and he said. 100% all his friends are going down they're doing it so they're already within the veteran community people are talking about it it's, oh yeah yeah I mean again I'll go back to special operations command invited vets to have a booth yeah yeah just because they know the work that we've been doing I mean our, our wait list is is pretty long wow. so um, vets has been running for four years since 2019 yeah wow. um yeah, and we've had incredible success because we offer the programmatic support. It's not just about giving someone a psychedelic. You know, there you have to have the proper dosing and sourcing and facilitation, the set, the setting. You have to give someone a lot of pre um, preparation. You've got to give someone a lot of integration because it unlocks traumatic experiences or negative ways of being and you really have to be working with a professional in order to change mm -hmm. the trajectory marcus ran into one of his friends who had been down not all that long ago and said didn't you go to mexico recently and he said yeah and it didn't work for me and he's like why not and he said because it brought up a bunch of shit from my childhood that i don't want to think about mm -hmm. and marcus was like it did what it, it was supposed to do yeah yeah you know, it can really unlock some. And was your one was it a, a nonprofit that you'd worked with, or was it when you done yours? Yes, actually, it was some some another nonprofit. Just a friend friend of ours just decided. Oh, he. Will you tell me because you were working Kirk with raised the money and it went through Mikhail's nonprofit. Yeah, it wasn't it, it was you know a sustainable a model. It, was it wasn't yeah. what it was necessarily yeah. set up to do, but it you know definitely saved him. Mm. Um, so we're set up to do just this and. It's great that we can give veterans checks and they can go to Mexico and have this opportunity. But really the the best part about vets is that we have this robust programming before someone goes mm. and as soon as they get back. Yeah, now there's a whole community. Like you're saying, there's a whole tribe around it. Yeah, you know, yeah. And, and and there's there literally every day of the week there's a there's a different program. Multiple um meditation courses, yoga, breath work, community, um, all of it. 
So, well, yeah, so Dean, whenever you're ready, you can <laughs> put an application in. And how, do yeah. you, how does it get funded then? How do you get... So we raise donor dollars in the U.S. and we're going after some corporate um, donors this year where before mm -hmm. it's just been straight philanthropy with, you know, high net worth individuals or even, you know, $10 a month donors yeah. who just really believe in our mission. It's yeah. It's been a labor of love, but it's grown and there's no... There's no doubting the efficacy of what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have a, is it you guys that decide where the grants go then, or is there a team of those? There's a team. Yeah. yeah I think Amber has over 20 now working underneath her um, or alongside her. Yeah. And there's a whole application process and it's done really well. It's almost automated now where, you know, we kind of, it kind of rack and stacks the individuals depending on a uh, number of combat deployments, you know, where they've gone. Um, how severe they're dealing with. Mm. Um, so there's a whole kind of intake and application process wow. now. And so um, every week, five to six individuals go down, sometimes more. Um, our, we're budgeted for about 250 per year. But like everything else, it's very hard to turn. You know, I mean, if you see these yeah. applications, it's, it's like, terrible. I mean, we turn away probably nine out of 10. So we're, wow. we're, wow. we're accepting one. When if you read the other nine applications, like, you have trauma from that. Like some of them, people are spilling their guts out of what they've gone through, what they're dealing with. And you're like, man, I, I can't help you because we have to help these three. Yeah. Is that purely because of funding? Is that funding? It's, it's, fun it's, 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 funding. it's funding. There's bottlenecks around. Mm -hmm. I keep cutting you off. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead. Sorry. Go I'm on. aware of that though. <laughs> <laughs> That's a huge um, yeah, it's funding, of course, uh, which we, ha we have enough funding, but it's still uh, bottlenecks around vetted retreats, right? right? Because this is still new. So mm. there's not so many people that you can trust with this stuff and to do it in places where they're legal. Um, therapy, huge bottleneck. There's uh, over the next 10 years, supposedly we need about 100,000 additional, you know, just because of- Not even additional therapists, but like trained therapists in psychedelic integration. Yeah. Because if you go into a standard run-of-the-mill therapist and you say, I had a psilocybin experience and I was None a None of them are run-of-the-mill, just not as qualified as <laughs> right, okay. individuals that <laughs> can- Preface that, yeah. Um, you say, I had a, a crazy psilocybin experience. I was a four-year-old and I was back in my childhood bedroom and this happened and they're probably going to be like, what are you even talking about? Mm. And you really have to be working with someone who There's understands- There's specialized training around, right. like yeah. you said, we were talking about when you unpack 50 years and five hours, yeah, you know, well, not every therapist can deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. But it so. must seem, must feel worth it when you receive texts like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, know, so it keeps us going. see yeah. the impact. Yeah. Yeah. And is it yeah. just the, the veterans or do you do deal with spouses as well? Spouses, spouses as well. Too. I'm like most excited about spouses and of course the children. I think that they're mm. truly are the unsung heroes of the last 20 years. Yeah. Um, I feel like there would be a, a market for the, the, the child the children's trauma i guess what they've seen and what can, they can hear and the noises and everything else but um and one what the, the spouse might go through as the partner but also as we were saying that stoic individual that need that needs to stand by a special forces guy the ones that i've definitely spoke to have their fair share of childhood trauma anyway and that's yeah. what makes them tough enough to stand yeah. that's next right. to yeah, that yeah. guy so that's exactly right really that's where they form the resilience to for you know, sure special forces. i yeah. do yeah. have one question for amber though during everything that you're doing which is amazing um and we know the the world that we live in today with the social media and trolls etc cetera, etc cetera. does anybody ever tell you you don't belong 
doing what you're doing as in who do you think you are what do you know about being a veteran anything along those lines not that i i have chosen not to do psychedelics and i think that there's a multitude of reasons why i've chosen that but um i'd say if anything i get maybe questions like why are you devoting your life to this you don't even do psychedelics and I think it would be sending the wrong message that this is some sort of a panacea or there's only one way to heal. I yeah. think that psychedelics bring about an awareness that can be achieved in other ways, but, um, you know, it's definitely like a rocket ship. So that's probably the, the mm. main, I, I get, I, I do get some flack for being rather unapologetic and convicted that's a nice way of saying yeah. I can like, you know, yeah, drop the that's, hammer. I mean, that's normally where me and Dean, you know, who am I? And usually I've got the bitch. I'm the bitch. That's it. Yeah. He's, the, he's, the, yeah. he's the good one. Um, but I feel like I've got a duty, as I was saying earlier, to protect him yeah. from, you know, the bads of the normal world that they're not used to, i.e. the asking for money and making sure nobody's abusing his value and things. Mm. So that's why I was asking. Yeah. I was interested if you had... Um, haters, I guess, is the word. No, but, you know, I certainly have had my fair share of hardships being mm. a female um, just in this in this space that's largely dominated by men. Mm -hmm. But they've, they've been very respectful to me. Um, but when you, you know, it, it is hard to be like a female leader of an organization. And there are definitely some people that think that these these drugs are bad and evil and mm -hmm. kind of dark, right? And yeah. we, we're hearing that now, but it's definitely from individuals who have no idea, yeah. like no clue um, and just need to just do a little bit of more work and research. And, and again, that's why we don't like shove these down people's throats. They're just a tool and a very powerful tool and use them correctly. They yeah. can be used incorrectly too, mm -hmm. just like everything can. I mean, yeah. you know, so we try to, you know, Make sure we're doing everything right. I think a lot of that too, that lack of education is fear-based and just, I, I think of myself, you know, and my conditioning and the way that I was raised to think that, you know, you, you, you mind the rules and you, you know, you take your, take your medicine. And like, I never questioned that military medicine and the VA had given Marcus 10 prescriptions Yeah, because that's normal. Yet he's on zero now. He's living his very best life. And I look at my life now and it's like light, love, hope, happiness, all these good things where before it was like anger, resentment, bitterness, doom, gloom, despair, mm. desperation. I had to recondition myself, my beliefs that a pill is a drug mm -hmm. and a plant could be yeah. a cure. And there are a lot of people who think the exact opposite, like I did. Yeah. yeah. Big Pharma, yeah. the US government is Big Pharma's number one customer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they have lifetime subscribers. Yeah. Well, that's the biggest thing we've seen since coming oh, yeah. to the from the UK to here. It's just because pharma is illegal to advertise on TV in UK. Really? Yeah, yeah. We, don't, we don't have it advertised. Oh, gosh, and and what we know. have in the UK is we have the National Health Service, which is paid for by the government, which we're fortunate to have. So 
they don't want to give you pharma because it costs them money. And yeah. so they look at all the other alternatives. Well, they do, yeah. they, they will offer it to you, but only on because of their time scales. Well, okay, yeah. you're not doing great. Let's give you some antidepressants mm. or, but um, if you're in pain, they'll give you the, like yeah. the weakest, you know, yeah. to get anything stronger, you would have to really fight for it. When we got here, I think Dean broke his elbow. Nothing sexy. Fell off Molly's skateboard, skateboard. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they gave him some narcotics. Yeah, something yeah. that was super strong anyway, because yeah. he was out of it and it was hilarious. Um, but day three, they called. Would you like some more? Actually, no, he's okay. The first day he was in pain. Now he's good. Yeah. Well, we'll get you some more anyway, just in yeah. case. No, it's okay. He's totally Isn't that fine. Wild? That's yeah. wild, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And those drugs, those exact drugs, can actually kill us. Mm -hmm. like yeah, literally yeah. and we're talking about stuff here that you're talking about plants that, yeah. that you know that are giving people their lives back and wild. you know going all the way back to childhood and one of our close friends went down and he shared with us that during his experience he opened curtains and in the very back of this like basement type of room there was his trauma and it was in a box with chains and spider webs oh. and it was like this is it this is what's been holding you back your whole life but also propelling you forward yeah it's not serving you anymore it's that awareness and that you know ability to like identify and now start working through it what was in the box i don't <laughs> well his like he said that you know he went to the box and like it was right there and i don't i don't know what it is because he didn't say what it is but whatever experience oh, okay. it was or you know it was like this this dark mm -hmm. and did it, he open it he didn't share it off with us but he knew immediately what it was and then was able to face it and working with a professional you know it goes all the way back to when he was a very 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 young kid oh. um so, you know, it's freeing people mm -hmm. of these bondages that have kept them enslaved. And maybe they've channeled some of that into states of high performance, but, you know, it's no longer serving them in the civilian world. Yeah. What I love about our mission, too, is that with this group of individuals, you give them like an objective and then a checklist on how to feel better, do better, be better, whatever. And they just want to check it as fast as they can. And they're almost creating a competition. Mm -hmm. So it's like, not only are they going to baseline, they're excelling above baseline because they're adding things like cold exposure, breath work, keto diet, intermittent fasting. And they want to, they're, you know, they want to be better and they're mm -hmm. becoming like, Dean, my cold tub's broken at the moment, by the way. We oh, do have a cold tub. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I would never stay in it. It started leaking, so. I would never stay in it for 13 minutes. You're welcome to come with us. We're going there after. It's just going out of my head there. I'm thinking about it's all going cold plunging now. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you think you have to get your mind ready for that. Yeah, cold yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're looking to do corporate corporate now to get the funding in what about individuals they donate through yeah the page and we still have our our core constituency of single donors or you know families that have given um but our demand is absolutely skyrocketing so in order to scale we've got to turn on other streams of fundraising because you know right now we have a year runway but as a nonprofit, you're always facing extinction. We don't have a product. We have yeah. the we, product is 
you know, lives saved and not everyone but, but wants to. But we manage to. that well. So I know I've seen a lot of nonprofits, they go really wide outside of their yeah. kind of mandate. And we've st stuck very true to like, this is what we're doing. Where mm -hmm. This is where the money's going. If a research project comes up, we'll, we'll fundraise specifically for that. So we won't just like take from, from the like the yeah. budget that's right. been built. And so we run it very, very clean and very, very, um, you know, I guess. Efficiently. Efficiently. Yeah. And we have to because- um, you know, we don't want to run out. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, and 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 where and where can people find you? Where can people find uh, vets and the and most potentially donate? Comprehensive um, collection of information would be our website, which is vetsolutions.org. We are also on all platforms of social media except TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um, our handles are all included on Perfect. the website. Okay. All right. Um. We've kind of skipped past it, but I did want to speak to you about something that um, me and Dean worked on. And it was weirdly enough how I first heard about you. Um, and I wanted to see if it was something you were going to dive into again. But you done a show called Selection back in <laughs> 15, 2016. That's probably why I got that phone call we were talking about. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably how it. did that come about? Uh, I got a phone call. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah I, I, somebody... Um, which ironically, that was in like the worst yeah. time. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, that was bad. That was bad. That was bad. Um, I, I'm trying to think exactly how that happened. I was working with Clint at the time in Dallas, and I don't know if they got a phone call or we did, but they said they were just looking for um, certain individuals to um, you know, instruct on this show. show yeah. And they... Um, they stole it from the UK, UK. version. Yeah, yeah. That was, of, yeah. was it Who Dares Who Dares Wins? Who Dares Wins, yeah, yeah. 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 And um I I remember exactly the conversation. I said, Well, I don't like I don't do that. And especially mm -hmm. if it's like if we're talking about like beating our chests and talking about yeah. war and I did this, like I, I will not do that. He said, No, no, no. You should look at the show. You're just gonna be an instructor for civilians that wanna go through like special operations training. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, hey, that sounds cool. And then I watched it and I watched this poor guy on his knees and this attack dog and he pulled his, his hood off mm. and the dog lunged at the guy and they just, they held the dog there. And I went, oh, that's really cool. I want to yeah, do that. Just do that, yeah. <laughs> so it's really, that's how, it's literally that's how, how it, it came went. about. Yeah. yeah, it was, and so that was yeah, actually fun. So it was fun. interesting, Dean, um, the original concept for the show which wasn't the same as what it was. Um, we approached Dean about it, um, the UK version, and it was terrible. So Dean created the show at the time. And then um, he was still firmly loyal to the military at the time too. And they said he couldn't do it. He was actually out. He'd been out for a few years at this mm. point. He was injured. So we didn't have an income stream really. Yeah. And they, they, they said that he wasn't allowed to do it. So Dean went and found the other guys for the show and got them onto it. And they were, they were able to do it for various reasons. So. Mm. Originally um, it was called selection. I helped them with the treatment. I helped the treatment. And then the UK then called it SAS, but it wouldn't work here. SAS, you know, so. Yeah. 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 But I was a bit like you, I was like, I don't want to be on. No beating my chest. No, and, and there was a show back in the nineties called SASU Tough Enough, and it was a, it was a train crash, and so I was like, no, well, no, also wasn't, shows are, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was not interested, but then it yeah. also wasn't being fully. I guess the guys that done it, um, there wasn't a big love from the community, so that was a big thing for Dean to say to say no. But then when it was, the reason I actually found 
you doing it was um, we were thinking about bringing it to here. So we mm. were looking and said, oh, it's already been. Let's see if it worked. And then they brought it back now with um, uh, Remy. Remy and, yeah. Yeah, and Rudy it. doing it here. I don't know how well it's gone down there, but uh, are you still, would you still be interested in doing that kind of work? Would you do TV now, now that obviously back in the day when you did it, you're in a dark place. Yeah, would you I mean, look at that? I think I would. Um, I mean, I think I would. It, again, I think it depends what it is, mm. you know, because even the selection, I talked to um, several, several individuals I worked with and even senior leaders that reached out and just said, hey, when we first heard you were on TV, we started talking, you know, crazy shit about you. Yeah. But then- <laughs> guys started watching it and they said, Hey, you got to watch the show. Like Marcus is representing the community really yeah. well. And so, you know, we apologize for saying anything <laughs> if we did, because we thought it was fine. Yeah. I said, great. I said, because that's all I'd want to do. I want to make sure anything I do on TV mm. is represented well and doesn't make it seem like it's individual yeah. and it's all about me. And cause I've never been like that. And so as but long it, as it's, it's passes the test yeah. of like, Okay. It can For me, it's the community. You know, it's really interesting. It was something you reminded me of something else as well. Is when I when I'm filming, like I'm doing a show at the moment with a main one of the main broadcasters. I can't really go into too much details, but when they're talking to me, like, oh, don't worry about that. I said, I do worry about that because I don't care about uh, poor civilians. I don't care about the civilian community watching this. I care about my friends watching it. Yeah. And so it's you know you're yeah. almost an, an ambassador or representing Definitely. them. So there's a lot of pressure on you. But interesting is when you said GI Jane, your reasons for joining the military. You know <laughs> SAS. A lot of people from the community were like the recruitment went up. Yeah. You know yeah. you know to get guys and girls through the door, they need to see. Yeah. Well, they have what, recruiting command now, right? They have a huge issue. So this so. show we're doing, we're going around the world, and and I'm amazed at how many people are opening their doors because there is a it's a it's a recruitment drive. It's a platform that opens up yeah. to hundreds of millions. I think it's funny so. what you were saying about GI Jane because for me, I love GI Jane. I mean, we, love, we must have watched that about yeah, four hundred yeah. times. But she was like, she was like thirty six when she was doing that, yeah. and then she just had a baby. And I was, I think I was, I was going to have Tommy, and I was going through that same. Oh my goodness, we've got all this going on. I was like, if she can do that, that yeah. it yeah. look like that, then I can. There's a funny um, story, you know. She tried to, um, and I'm going to butcher this. Because I don't, I was not there, but one of the East Coast Seal reunions, she showed up. Oh, really? And I think she had, she got a beer thrown on her, like oh, really? full beer, like tossed in her face. Yeah. Again, don't quote me on that. I'm sure yeah. guys will laugh about that. I would be that. really surprised if that was. It true. was. Yeah. If that didn't happen, it was very close to happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why do you think you can show up here at our yeah, yeah, yeah. tribes, kind of like yeah. gathering? Right. Yeah. yeah. We have a guy back in UK called Ross Kemp. And he sort of did, he did one called the Ultimate Force, which was the SAS. We just called it the Ultimate Fast. And I think in the East Enders, he was supposed to be in the parachute regiment. Every every role he has, he's he's like a special forces guy. But yeah, he's probably not the best ambassador. Sure, no, <laughs> and we have plenty of, yeah. that, you, that you know about. So yeah, I mean the answer is definitely like yes. But you know I'm you know I'm full tilt right now. You know I'll always be you know, helping Amber and, yeah. and doing all this stuff we need for vets. And I, you know, I have a full-time commercial business, mm -hmm. cool. uh, Tara Mind, which is basically an ex extension of what we, what we did with veterans, but we're doing this for the non-veteran population. So, oh, cool. you know, we'll be the first company. Is that a tree? Tara, Sorry? Tara, Tara, it's a, it's a, it's a okay. Hindu goddess of compassion. Oh, it? oh, okay. It's kind of a, um, but you know, we're taking what we learned there 
as you know, the, the non-veteran population. So, so many people are struggling, you mm -hmm. know, with mental health. And I feel like we've, we're, we're, we're full tilt in involved in what we're doing. And, and so what Taramine is going to do is we're going to take psychedelic therapies and what we're doing. And as they become, um, legal in the U S mm. you know, we're going to bring this to the, basically the employers and the insurers. So we'll be the first to make, you know, insurance companies pay for these treatments. So wow. more people have access to mm -hmm. them. And so that's what we're doing. We feel that's it's an awesome. important mission because, um, as these get rolled out to mm. the civilian market, <laughs> um, if nobody, if, uh, if insurance doesn't cover it, most people will not be able to afford these. And then I yeah. think again, as a system, we have failed. So our mission will be complete once we get the insurance companies, um, and what, to pay for these treatments. Why do you think it is that the pharma, the big pharmas, why will they develop the synthetic drugs, but they won't develop, they could sell it for the same cost them as human if it's working and it's doing. I think the bigger challenge with big pharma and psychedelics is that psychedelics are generally more curative than they are palliative. And so you don't have someone taking something every day for the rest of their life. It doesn't fit their profit model to have a one-time experience. Yeah, if someone takes it a few times yeah. in their lifetime compared to 10 years straight of 30-day supply of prescription. So the simple answer is they don't want to cure you. They, they, they make a lot of money. Yeah. 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 But they're, they're getting involved now. You know, they're getting behind a lot of the drug development that's going on in the space, of course, because they have the money. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, on the topic of expansion and more people receiving access, you know, bets exist to give veterans the opportunity to travel outside of this country, which is horribly embarrassing. You know, you're willing to die for this country. We have mm -hmm. to leave it to get meaningful solutions to healthcare. Um, so we exist to provide that subsidy and then all the support. Mm -hmm. We also fund research happening in the U S but really what we're moving into, um, more than anything is advocacy. So getting laws changed at the state and federal levels so that more research can be done, more compounds can be developed, more veterans can be included. Right now, the state of the research is it's almost impossible to do it. You have to go through all sorts of red tape to be able to work with a schedule one, you mm -hmm. know, illegal substance. And so when you've you know taken the year or two years that it takes to get to that point, you now develop your study and you want to stay away from high risk populations. So you're looking for one indication and one potential treatment. Anyone with multiple diagnoses, which is like basically most veterans mm. and anyone with a history of suicidal ideation or especially suicide attempts, automatic disqualification from any research. So last time I checked, there were 600 and something trials going on around the world, 258 or so of them are in the United States. And I would venture to say few, if any, have veteran, so a significant mm -hmm. veteran focus or veteran enrollees. Yeah. So we're equally as focused on changing law in the U.S. And what and, would be the law change to take off a schedule one? Yeah. So there's that. And then there's just unlocking federal funds so that philanthropy no longer has to cover the costs of all of this research. Mm -hmm. um, you look at what MAPS, another organization, is doing with getting one of the compounds through FDA clinical trials. All in all, they'll need to have raised $250 million from philanthropy, donors mm. who believe in the mission. Like it, it's impossible. Yeah, yeah. So it's just a challenging environment to bring yeah. these drugs to market, but it's happening. So right now, individuals, uh, there's one drug that is being utilized. Um, it's being used off-label, although it's FDA approved, is ketamine, ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. It's proving to be 
you know, it's arguably the world's strongest uh, antidepressant. It works almost, I don't want to say instantly, but within an hour, mm -hmm. an individual who is depressed is not depressed anymore. An individual who is suicidal is not suicidal anymore. So it's starting to get out there that, that ketamine-assisted psychotherapy is really working. Why we kind of put it in with other psychedelics because you do go through like a hallucination yeah, yeah. on it for about 45 minutes. The other two drugs that are uh, have been both uh, classified as FDA breakthrough status is MDMA and psilocybin. Both those, again, have to be paired with therapy. So it's MDMA-assisted therapy and psilocybin-assisted therapy. Uh, MDMA, as Amber mentioned, it's already passed its phase three trials, which means it should technically be good. Mm. Um, it'll be coming to market for clinical access in 2024, and then psilocybin will come to market in 2025. Mm. So this is all happening very quickly. Quick, yeah. So we just have to like build the infrastructure, which mm. means like you know more therapists and training and education. Yeah. 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 The other thing I was going to say is that we're receiving outreach from a lot of other countries. countries yeah, so right. we just had a veteran come through um, from Sweden. And mm -hmm. it was really interesting to see this sort of transformation that was different than like your typical U.S. special operations mm. soldier. It, it, but it was just as effective. Yeah. yeah. Did, you know, did a bunch, so a bunch of stuff in, in, um, during like kind of what was going on in Bosnia and uh, okay yep yep um, um, but yeah we've been contacted by a number of other countries so international expansion is also good. on the list yeah, UK Amazing. and Israel and yeah yeah Amazing. normally our last question is <laughs> what is your purpose but I think <laughs> we've actually question, yeah. <laughs> we've actually covered covered that unless you you want to add to that but I also want to um, if there's anything else you guys want to want to cover well, as well before what is your purpose yeah is, what is your is purpose your... I would say my purpose is to live a, a predestined plan for my life. It's never been like, what do I want to do? Because I willingly took myself off. I, I sat on the sidelines raising the kids and keeping everything going at home for two decades. I never in a million years thought that I would be doing what I'm doing today. So it's just an honor. And I feel like looking back over my life, whether it was Caden keeping us together or just experiencing the rock bottom and being able to encourage others to keep fighting, I want to live God's purpose for my life. And so if this is it, never thought I'd be doing it, but <laughs> it's an honor to do it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm learning that the more I serve, the more things happen. Yeah. And so if I could, um, you know, I said my purpose, uh, to answer the question is, is just to continue to, to serve because, you know, I think all of us here, we can sell a widget. And I mean, I don't know about you, Dean, for me, I, I, I don't like that. It feels a bit gross. Yeah, yeah. So if, if I'm doing something that is helping other people, um, we're seeing it, we get those text messages, those yeah. text messages are literally, you know, I sometimes mm -hmm. just completely break down because I may not even know this person, but we just changed the course of maybe their, the rest of their life. And then maybe their, their kids lives and yeah. their, you know, their kids, kids. And so mm -hmm. I feel like the more we can do that, like life is good. Yeah. We're good. Our kids are good. Um, I have a shirt that says peace is possible. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean like, Hey, you know, <laughs> sure. Maybe one day we'll, we'll get, get there to, to peace, but I'm, it's more internal peace. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's no. the other part is if yeah. I have internal peace, I feel like everything else just kind of mm. falls into, into place. Yeah. So. I think I, I mean, I heard something recently that for, for Dean, and I think it would fit for yourself as well from Bedros, actually, mm. that 
I've seen him. It's, I don't know him, but yeah. yeah. Um, super important to ask for help. And what I mean by from you two is that you've got the amazing ability, Andrew, we've all got this ability to, to help the world. And we've been given this purpose to go out and help and do these things, but we've got this huge community as well that can also help us. So to, to be able to say, you can do this for this and you can do this and actually help. That's what they're all there for. Um, so we were speaking about asking for money and, and, and these things not being super comfortable for us. You have to, to be able to do the things that you've got the ability to do. So So true. Mm -hmm. It's our duty to serve others. And Mm -hmm. so if we don't, if I don't ask him for help, he can open off a lot of doors. And so I'm doing a disservice by not asking. That's that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I I think for me, I I know. Thank you. I've, 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 I've loved this one. Uh, yeah, thank you really so much. Um, Thanks for thank inviting you, us. Yeah, thank you for your yeah. honesty. Um, you know, it's opened my eyes. Um, thank you for staying with Marcus, yes. sticking with him. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this. I don't think we'd be having this conversation. So um, I actually don't know who is the one behind the scene at all. No. But I, I, I like to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amber's definitely, you know, that one's, I think that one's easy. You know, I think yes. Amber's a hero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, true. She, she's definitely a true hero. And uh, I just want people to know that. No. So. <laughs>